Welcome to Beekeeping Today podcast presented by Bee Culture. Beekeeping Today podcast is your source for beekeeping news, information, and entertainment. I'm Jeff Ott. And I'm Kim Flatham. Hey, Jeff and Kim. Today's sponsor is Global Patties. They're a family-operated business that manufactures protein supplement patties for honeybees. It's a good time to think about honeybee nutrition. Feeding your hives protein supplement patties will ensure that they produce strong and healthy colonies by increasing brood production and overall honey flow. Now is a great time to consider what type of patty is right for your area and your honeybees. Global offers a variety of standard patties as well as custom patties to meet your needs. No matter where you are, Global is ready to serve you out of their manufacturing plants in Airdrie, Alberta and in Butte, Montana or from distribution depots across the continent. Visit them today at www.globalpatties.com. Thanks, Sherry, and thank you, Global Patties. You know, each week we get to talk about how much we appreciate our sponsor support, and we know you'd rather we get right to talking about beekeeping. However, our great sponsors are critical to help making all of this happen. From the transcripts, the hosting fees, the software, the hardware, the microphones, the subscriptions, the recorders, they enable each episode. So with that, thanks to Bee Culture Magazine for continuing their presenting sponsorship of this podcast. Bee Culture has been the magazine for American beekeeping since 1873. Subscribe to Bee Culture today. Hey everybody, thanks for joining us. We're really happy you're here. Before we get started, just a quick reminder to subscribe or follow Beekeeping Today podcast and give us a five-star rating. It really does help. Also, we are now adding complete transcripts of each episode on the website after the show notes. Check them out. You can also leave questions and comments online under each show. You can leave a comment, ask a question, reply to a question, ours or listeners. Click on leave a comment at the top of the episode's show notes to join the discussion. Have you listened to an episode and thought, that person sounds really interesting? And I'd like to know more about them. Well, now you can. Each episode links to a guest profile. Each profile has a guest photo, bio, contact information, including Instagram and Twitter details if they have them. Check it out. And finally, share the podcast with your beekeeping friends. Email them links or mention it at your next beekeeper meeting. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Kim will be joining us in just a few minutes. It is springtime just about everywhere, and many of us are receiving new packages of bees, hiving nukes, making splits, and I hear some of you are even chasing swarms already. Spring always seems to take forever to arrive, and when it does, the bee world lights up quickly. I hope your spring in the bee yard is going well. On today's show, we welcome back Dr. Jerry Bromenshank. He was last on the podcast three years ago in May of 2019 when he first introduced us to the work he was doing on acoustic-based AI app, Bee Health Guru. Now, that's a mouthful. Using this app on a mobile device such as an iPhone or, or an Android-based phone, a beekeeper records the sounds of the colony by sliding the microphone of the phone into the entrance of the hive. After about 60 seconds or so of listening and recording the sounds, the app measures key aspects of the colony's health and provides a beekeeper with an analysis of its findings. It's all based on AI technology that uh, Dr. Bromenshank and his team are working on. It lets you know, is it queenless? Does it have a varroa? Did it have American fowl brood? Yeah, pretty cool stuff. There's a couple other a couple other things it also checks out. Today, Jerry's providing an update and also telling us a couple other projects he's got going. And he's always doing something with bees. The guy is one of the busiest retired people I know. Before we get to all of that, Kim has been doing a lot of reading over the past month or so and sent in this review of Swarm Control by Richard Ball, a book published by Northern Bee Books. Let's listen to that now. Welcome to another chapter of Bee Books Old and New. My schedule got rearranged this spring and I'm an, I am woefully behind. So today I'm going to do a new book and next week we'll, take, we'll talk about one of Northern Bee Books old books for you to enjoy. And then maybe I can get caught up. Maybe. Well, so it's Earth Day. 2022 today, as I'm recording this. It's late Friday afternoon, cloudy and a bit cool, but not cold, and it isn't raining for a change. But they say that by next weekend it will reach the upper 70s and maybe even 80. This is going to be perfect swarm time. The time of year is right, 
early spring trees are just starting to bloom. I saw my first dandelions this week. The temperatures will be good in a week or so, and my colonies have laying queens, quite a bit of brood, and lots and lots of food. The downside is, that's what they were a couple of weeks ago when I last checked them. I haven't had an opportunity for an in-depth internal check for that long due to poor weather and time constraints here at home. So I'm not just sure what's going on inside, but I can guess. Fortunately for those of us who are more often a day late and a dollar short, Northern Bee Books just released their latest book on swarm control by Richard Ball, an experienced UK beekeeper. Since 1996, he has been a county, then regional, and finally he rose to run the entire bee inspection service for England and Wales, retiring from that position finally in 2011. He's looked at a lot of hives during that time of year, and he's also studied the, teach, the techniques beekeepers use to both stop colonies from even thinking of swarming to using some major techniques. Maybe major isn't the right word here. More like draconian techniques beekeepers have invented to stop swarms from happening once the urge sets in. If you've been keeping bees for a decade or more, you have run across all of the techniques he discusses and tried at least some of them. There's not a lot new here. But the biology of why they work is logically explained, the diagrams are well done and easy to follow, and the predictability of the techniques is explained. I don't have the space here to explain the how-to of all of these, so I strongly suggest you take a look at this new book. He starts with simple skills, finding and marking the queen, and then the why do bees swarm anyway. Then he looks at practical ways to stop a colony that has started this process, how to recognize this, and how to stop it using either the Demery method or a simple modification of that method. Finding queen cells is a skill that you'll need here. But then he moves to managing a colony so that the swarm impulse doesn't rise in the first place, or better, ways to make a colony think it has already swarmed and life should go on. These involve the pageant and Hedden and Snellgrove methods and modifications of these to accommodate different hive styles and different beekeeper skill levels. That in itself makes this book worthy looking at because he looks at all the different kinds of hives that are out there and he considers people who are just starting and people who've been doing this for a lifetime. These all do what he says they will do. Well, almost all of the time, bees will be bees sometimes. But then he takes on a new challenge, using an artificial swarm resulting in a period of time where a queen isn't laying eggs in a colony and producing brood that varroa mites can feed on, thus ridding a colony of most of that pest, but keeping it under the beekeeper's control. Two birds, one artificial swarm, and maybe two colonies, or back to one. You get to decide. And if you decide to make two colonies into one colony, he describes the very simple and very successful technique of using a simple sheet of newspaper to make one from two. If swarms are in your future, today, next week, or next season, take a look at this new book. One saved swarm will pay for the book and lots of honey left over. It's available on Amazon or from Northern Bee Books. Check it out. I guarantee both you and your bees will be better off because of this book. Thanks, Kim. That's a timely review. Hey, everybody, this is definitely the right book for this time of year. Add it to your library soon. Okay, let's get right into our discussion with Dr. Jerry Bromenshank. But first, a quick word from our friends at Strong Microbials. Hello, beekeepers. Your honeybees face a lot of challenges out there. Unbalanced food sources from monoculture crops, holding yards, drought, food shortages, antibiotics, pesticides, and pathogens like chalk brood. To overcome these challenges, your bees need the multiple bacteria that are in all nectars, pollens, and the environment. These bacteria aid honeybees digestion and improve your honeybees' response and resilience to pesticides. Now you can help improve your honey colony health with a quick, easy, and safe-to-use product. Strong Microbial's Super DFM Honeybee uses naturally occurring bacteria to restore the healthy gut biome of your honeybees. Check them out today at www.strongmicrobials.com. Hey everybody, welcome back and thanks Strong Microbials. We appreciate your support. 
Hey, everybody, welcome back to Beekeeping Today podcast. Sitting across our Beekeeping Today podcast virtual Zoom table is no other than Dr. Jerry Bromenshank and Rob Seckham, both from University of Montana. Is that correct? I know, Jerry, you're, you're retired from University of Montana. Rob? I'm not sure where you're from. Well, you know, once upon a time was the University of Montana. Now it's it's our own company, so we're independent of them. Very good. Welcome to the show. It's nice to see you again, Jerry. It's been too long. How is yes. how is Montana treating you? Well, Montana's treating us pretty well at the moment. Um, we haven't quite got out of winter. We had snow last week. Um, we had a little bit. Robert over in Butte had quite a bit more. And if you go farther east, they had 20, 30 inches. So we're not quite done with winter yet. Yeah, we got the same here. I've had inches of snow in the last couple of weeks in northeast Ohio. Jerry, you've got two things going on that we want to talk to you about today. One of them back in 2019, I think it was, Jeff, Yep. that, that we had Jerry on and we were talking about this app that he was developing. Isn't that correct? And then you've got another project now that you're just starting up, and we want to just kind of touch, bring people up to speed on what your app is doing and where you want it to go, and then uh, have you give a quick overview of the project you're just beginning. Does that sound okay? Sounds great. All right. Well, uh, when we talked to you before, your app was was still looking brand new. So what have you done to it since, and where is it going? <laughs> well, we put out our app with the idea that we know from our prior work, almost a decade of research, that if we use high-end microphones and, and good digital recorders and powerful computers, we had very high accuracy of 86 to 98% or more for eight major health pests and disease problems that, that bees uh, are exposed to. Uh, Basically, we insert a microphone. It could be the microphone on your phone, or it could be an external microphone into a colony. We take a 30-second or a 60-second recording of the sound the colony makes, and it then basically tells us whether it's got a queen or doesn't have a queen. Does it have mites, and if it has mites, at what level? Does it have foul root, and if so, at what level? Does it have nosema? Is that colony more or less thriving or is that colony failing? Um, does that colony ha have a couple of other factors that uh, depending on the region you're in, you may, may or may not see in your own bees like Africanized bees and something like Africanized bees, it's pretty good. I mean, it's, but my own ear can hear the difference on an Africanized <laughs> colony. They're very loud as you come up to it. The thing that surprised us is that we could discriminate things like mites and even more surprisingly, American foul root. The problem we have when we put it on our smartphones and tablets, and we did that because that was much more economical than building a special tricorder for bees. So, <laughs> you know, beekeepers around the world, even in third world countries, they have cell phones. Uh, so almost virtually every beekeeper anywhere, uh, if they can afford bees, can afford a cell phone. And with a cell phone, you've got a tool that we hope you can use to help as a management tool for beekeeping. So the problem we faced in 2019 is, one, we had to get it into a format that we didn't have to build and the customer didn't have to buy. So that's why we went with the smartphone. We got extra value out of the phones. We did not know with all these phones from all different brands, from high-end Samsung and and for example, phones like the like the current, I just had bought a Samsung Galaxy 21 Ultra, very spending phone, but it got great cameras and a good audio system in it uh, versus something like a cheap Chinese knockoff. We're still working through those to see what kind of phone we need to get the accuracy of the recording, a good clean recording that we can use to reliably diagnose diagnose the various problems that we're looking for. So the idea is we listen to the bees using the microphones, we get a recording, and then to calibrate that system, we ask the beekeepers to open their hives and inspect them, and a little drop-down menu allows them to say, yes, it's got a queen, or no, it doesn't have a queen. Yes, it's got foul brood, no, it doesn't. Is that a high level or low level? And we don't expect it to be accurate right off the bat because 
these are unknown hardware and unknown software with all these different companies. So what we really need a lot of people testing for us so that we can dial that in. And that was what we were really focusing on. We were really happy in 2019. We finally got the thing on a smartphone. The phones and tablets finally got fast enough that it didn't take 20 minutes to do an analysis. It was <laughs> down to 10 to 15 seconds on a really on a top end phone. And we sent it out to the users. And year one was we learned everything we shouldn't have done <laughs> and everything that we thought they wanted and everything they actually wanted. Uh, they weren't necessarily the same. <laughs> so Robert and I had a, a, an eye opener for that. Number one. The beekeepers really liked the fact that we had a little inspection chart for things like foul brood, nosema, queenless, clean right type of thing, the basics that are really major issues for pests and diseases. And they liked that so much because it was real simple to use and had quick little drop downs that they wanted to use the app more than anything for their own beekeeping management. So I guess that's a credit to Jeff Peppels, our app designer, because he's not a scientist. He's an artist. He's a musician. He's a computer guy that works with uh, virtual reality and all kinds of things. And his comment was, you got to make this thing really simple and easy and fast to use. And that's what the management part of it turned out to be. Much more than a lot of the ones that go into great detail, but don't get used because it just takes too long. Yeah. So number one, they really wanted to have their records available to them for their own management. Well, that takes more than work than you might expect working the database around so we could turn it around, but we got that done. So over the last two years, as the our users told us what they liked and didn't like, we've changed it. So we had several mods that have come up. So now you can use it for a data management system and all of your records stay on your phone and you can access them at any time. So now you got a management tool. The second thing was that we found out that a lot of people were, were a little bit reticent or uncertain about doing the visual inspections. They weren't sure they knew what, say, a queenless colony looked like, uh, especially if they were just new to the thing. And so it became a learning tool, but that worked against us because they would send us recordings with no inspections. Well, it's kind of high, like taking kids, taking a test. You never grade them. <laughs> you, don't <know> what, <laughs> you don't know what you've got. And so Robert had thousands of uh, recordings uh, submitted to him, but a only a small percentage of those actually went the extra step to inspect. So that's one of the things we learned. We really had to tell them that I'm glad you're using it, but we aren't going to be able to calibrate it unless you actually do the inspection. But we also learned that we had a, we've got a little cheat sheet that you can hit a question mark and you can find out what the pests and diseases look like, how you should score them and so on. So it's right there on the phone. And as such, it becomes a self-instruction. So what we realize is that the visual inspection, if they follow the little crib sheet, really were apparently pretty accurate. So if we can get them to do the inspection, even though they're a little nervous about doing this, and that's pretty good data. So combine that with the data management, and we decided that what we really needed to do was auto map everything that they input based on the visual inspections, because at the moment, visual inspection is still more accurate than the acoustic, you know, the goal, the long-term goal is to get the acoustic to replace it. So now you can use it as a data management system, but mm -hmm. if you visually inspect your colony, if you do things like uh, alcohol washer for mites and so on, if you do the inspection pro properly, when you upload the thing, the moment you upload your inspection report and your recordings, our database system immediately throws it into the cloud, processes it, and puts a pin in a map and shows down to say a county level or something like that. We don't show the backyards, you know, because we don't <laughs> want your neighbor know what you got. Oh, you got foul root or something like that. But we put it in a county level or something. And we can do the kind of mapping that the CDC does for COVID. Only we're doing it for the eight variables that the app picks out on a global scale. Hmm. And the moment they push the button, the pin goes into the map. And then the user on their phone can actually look up and see you know, are there others in the general area? Again, we, we purposely keep that a bit vague. So, you, you know, to protect confidentiality. So we're in a position now that unlike surveys and inspections and go to labs and so on to take 
weeks to months to turn the data around and then you may still have to work, have somebody do the stats and then tell you where it's at. We have real-time mon uh, monitoring in a sense. Beekeeper uses the thing, pushes the button, it goes up to the thing, bing, there's a uh, pin on the map. We hope that gives us a better a better sense of where the real problems are at. And I, I guess that's our big thing now. We realize we've got a tool that essentially is not reactive. That is, after the fact, you say you got a problem, but actually proactive in that we can pick it up as it's occurring. This is the same app as as you were working before, but these are the and these are the improvements. What's the name of the app again, and where is it available? It's called Be Health Guru. Guru being that the bees themselves are the guru. They tell us what's going on, mm -hmm. and it's available on a bulletin board site at www.behealth.guru. And it's very important that you put the www in. Otherwise, it goes to GoDaddy, and GoDaddy tries to sell you another domain. So, <laughs> <laughs> But in, there is a bulletin board discussion site where we post updates. Uh, we can discuss things. We really encourage. We need to get our, our testers more engaged with us on that site. And so the plan in the next month here or so before summer sets in is that we're going to start putting training videos up on that site. And we'll also start putting um, out um, notices of uh, Zoom presentations or where maybe on a Thursday night, we can say, we'll be there. If you got questions, join us here and we'll talk about the app. So we're trying to get our community more engaged and talking to each other and to us. At one time that was available for the University of Montana master's students. Is that still available for them? Do they still have access through their accounts? I'd have to check on that at the moment. Um, what we're doing on the, you know, you can't go directly to the app stores, either the Apple one or the Android one and pull this down because we're trying to run this through a way that we know who the users are, mm -hmm. where they're at and so on. We have we've manually set those up because we have a problem with hackers that really want to get in and mess with it. So what happens if you go to our www.behealth.guru, we ask for a small donation, $20, $30. Somebody says, well, what do you get for 30 that you don't get for 20? Well, not anything, <laughs> anything except for the fact that it costs us money to keep these websites up to do for Robert to do the retraining and so on. We're self-funding this and so on. So we think 20 or $30. And once you buy one, uh, we'll give, it, you know, if you're part of that citizen group, we'll give you free updates on it. So okay. we think that's pretty economical. So then you go there, you make a donation. As soon as you make a donation, I ask people, please be patient. Because first, I have to authorize them to use that website. And I come in every morning. I try to do it every day and manually. And if I see an alphabet soup from Russia on the uh, uh, return address, you know, that's one of the ones that I'll block because that's where we're, all of our problems <laughs> came from a, a few years ago, out of the East Bloc countries and Russia particularly. Um, and then the second step is our app guy has to go in and authorize you in the proper store. So it takes right. a couple of days to do that. But that way, we've really cut down on the, on the hacker problem. All right, folks, hey, let's take a quick break now to hear from our good friends at Better Be. We'll be right back. What makes Better Be different as a beekeeping supplier is their focus on bringing new innovative products to the market, such as the Colorado Bee Vac. The Colorado Bee Vac is the world's leading bee vacuum, trusted to quickly and safely capture bees during cutouts or swarms and easily transfer them to a hive. The Colorado Bee Vac was carefully crafted and tested to relocate bees while drastically minimizing any losses. Visit betterbee.com slash bvac to learn more and get yours today. Well, Jerry, how many people have you got, active people that are using this right now? Well, we've got about a thousand people that have registered worldwide. Uh, Robert might have a better idea of how many are currently active, but I think recently you had about you, we were talking this morning about, wasn't it, Robert, you said you had about 3,500 files that uh, had it came with inspection or were reasonable that you, you know, instead checked that they were hopefully healthy colonies. Those were usable files. Um, I know that you got many more files that weren't. And maybe what, Robert, uh, you could chat a bit about is 
what were the common problems that made a file either very useful to you? You know, what were the ones that were useful and what files are not useful? Right. Start with the funny story <laughs> one where people had to, they were so happy with this app and they were sticking in their beehives and singing to their bees and singing in their kitchen and testing it out like, oh, this is great. And we get all these uh, uploaded <laughs> files of people singing in their kitchen or singing to their bees. So, you know, and unfortunately, AN, well, even the ANNs or the software, or the computers can't tell if people are singing or bees are singing. So I had to go through and listen to many, many hours of <laughs> audio. And sorry, that, that, that great. I love your singing, but we can't use that. <laughs> you ought to send out a best of the B Yard hits compilation. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said, at least we know our beekeepers are happy. Yeah. <laughs> then I suppose the next real problem was, uh, people placing the, the microphone into mm. in the hive. And in lots of cases, they've got a black smartphone and you turn it on, push the button, drop it on the on the front door of the beehive. And the first thing bees they see a black thing in front of their doorway and start getting pissed off at it. So there was a, a bit of a learning where you have to, you know, get the bees acclimated to your device, the microphone or whatever, before they will attack it. With the old expensive equipment we'd have, we'd stick a, a microphone, a probe microphone in and stand back for at least a minute or two so the bees will get used to it and not jump all over it. So there's a bit of a learning curve how we're going to basically adapt this whole idea to the smartphone. Uh, other than that, uh, the biggest problem I've had, of course, as Jerry mentioned, is not getting the inspections that I need. You know, But still, I've got thousands and thousands of data files to work with and gigs and gigs of data. And I just finished running uh, an ANN test here and Got a 90% differentiation between groups one and group two, which are Varroa and Queenless. So right now with the recording that I'm getting, I can tell Queenless from Varroa infested hives, which is a start. So we've still got the rest of the uh, all the other maladies that we check for to try and work it all out. Hey, Rob, you bring up a good question. What if you have both Queenless and Varroa? Well, the way this... Uh, Software is designed, it will actually hit on both. It's not like uh, it can be one or the other. It will say a percentage of, of this sounds like a queenless and some percentage of this sounds like a varroa. And you might get two hits on this saying, ah, it looks like it might have both of these problems. Or you might even get the undetermined, you really can't tell, but you might want to take a look at it. And there is, of course, the normal colony where the, this should sound like a normal colony. So if you get a good hit on normal, you probably are safe to go on to the next hive. Have you got a good picture of of how things spread, how things move, how things develop or or don't develop? Well, this is only in the last since toward the end of the last summer that we Im implemented this as a that we didn't have to just manually crunch it all in and so on. So then we went in the winter. So we're in a prime time right now to mobilize people to do this because um we can send you pictures of maps uh, we got around the world of these this these were reported during this period of time that that were healthy colonies and these colonies had some type of problem um the, i'm glad you asked that question kim because we've been trying to figure out just exactly how we get past some of this well i'm not certain what i'm doing how we get them into uh, motivated to go out, say, on a regular basis every couple of weeks or even once a month uh, and get recording from us and visual inspections because we're mapping this thing. It depends on how often the people use it and where they're at. And since, and I kind of, I'm going back to my roots on all this. We did citizen science before it was ever a term. We called it public participation and we did pollution monitoring on landscape scales around Seattle. And that turned out to be an incredibly successful project. But the key there is there were a lot of beekeeping local associations in the Seattle Tacoma area. And we worked with the clubs and we would get the clubs and keep them updated. And then they would find a handful of people within each club who we were really interested in working with us. And then they would work together. And the clubs on the local level more or less did the training and coordination. And so my goal in, since last fall is that I've been talking, giving Zoom presentations to lots of clubs. And uh, the message I like to tell all of your listeners is that we really think your clubs are a really 
good path forward. You know, think of it as a project for the club, something to do. They have you, you can help train each other. We'd like people to use an external microphone, these probe-like ones, because they get a cleaner recording, but they're a little spendy. So maybe the club could buy a couple of those, then loan them out to everybody and so on. And maybe the clubs remind them, hey, this next week we're going to go out and all, all of us are going to go out and inspect our highs and report it. If we could get two or three or four clubs per state, for example, in the United States doing this, say, even once a month, we would have real-time information we've never seen before. And that could build. So uh, right now, my approach is to anybody listening, if you belong to a beekeeping club, if you're interested in this project, and if you'd like, I will be more than glad to set up in some evening or weekend um, a Zoom meeting with your club, make a presentation of what this is all about, and talk to people about how they might get engaged with this. So, uh, that's the big thing right now is just getting the engagement and get them to carry through through all the steps. Well, there's a challenge, Jeff, yeah. no doubt. And what's the challenge? Yeah, well, I think it, it's a great <laughs> club project. And, and with as many uh, new beekeepers as come into into the hobby every year, that uh, combining the, the Bee Health Guru app and uh, a mentorship program would be really beneficial for the new beekeeper. And the app really works pretty well to because it's got all the little crib sheets about how there's photos and descriptions of these major pests and diseases. It's also a learning, to, you know, an educational mm -hmm. tool in its own right. 2019, we were optimistic we were going to have, be talking to the bees and learning everything they're trying to tell us. Well, that's going to take a while. You know, <laughs> uh, you know, that doesn't happen. Human speech took a couple of decades to really work out. And stuff. But in the meantime, what we realized is we got a nifty little tool for managing your own bees and keeping records. We got a, a nice little training system. We we can start mobilizing groups to make these projects and so on to tie in and coordinate the thing better. Um, and then I'm really looking at this as a wellness program for bees. If we can do real-time um, monitoring of detect an outbreak when it occurs. I mean, I can, I'm looking forward to something like if we could get a bunch of associations all in say August going out, we can immediately see what the might problem areas look like across the nation on a given week or something like that not not get a report six weeks down and six months down the line but right then we'd know what it looked like well if my club is interested in doing this jerry i go to the web page that you mentioned and uh, all the information i'm going to need to get started is there yep okay and uh, there's a you can leave a message and just leave a message for me on that thing that says i've got you know, this is such a, such a club, and we would like to hear from you, you know, and I'll get back to them. Excellent. All right. Well, there's if you if you have anything to do with your local bee club, here is an opportunity that you cannot afford to turn down, I think. Right, Jeff? Yeah. And we'll have that website on the, in the show notes. So make sure to check it out and check out the app and check out um, the opportunity that presents. Well, that'd be wonderful. I mean, is I'm a scientist and I'm I'm first and all of us, Bob, the computer person to develop the algorithm and so on. But, you know, we're really doing this because we really know it. We know it can work and it can make a really big difference in terms of the health of our bees because early detection and tracking of these things uh, could be really key to solving some of the problems that we've got. Well, Jerry, I can see I can see how this might lend itself to be very useful in the other project you were just started and and that is in training commercial people to to be what's the word i want accepted to be able to be a commercial beekeeper yes and and uh, tell me about this program i don't think there's ever been a commercial beekeeping beginners class <laughs> well there was one i think james too did years years yeah. ago because at least on on a campus because one of our yes. local beekeepers yes. out of Laurel knows james for that but no, then decades uh, over the almost 50 years that I've been working with bees, I've often, and I learned my beekeeping for commercial beekeepers. And Montana's a big commercial beekeeping state. We've got roughly 175,000 to 200,000 colonies of bees in this state. There are 6,000 registered bee locations down to an exact GPS location. Um, and most of those migrate for pollination now in California. But many of the commercial beekeepers these days have a problem common to other aspects of uh, agriculture, and that is 
where do you find the people that do this field work, uh, hands-on, uh, there's heavy lifting, long hours at times, and less than most of the agriculture industries, we haven't automated or mechanized uh, beekeeping. Much. I mean, we use heavy trucks and loaders and so on, but um, you know, a good example. And so the issue is, is they're so strapped for finding good help that many of them depend on workers that come in from South America and Africa. Yeah, they're going that far just to get their crews. They would really like to find people who speak English. That helps. You know, I mean, is uh, most of them are bilingual because they have so many, and Spanish at least, because they have so many South American members of the crew, at least the bigger operation. But they would like to find people in the United States that are interested either in working for them, or maybe even at some point, you know, I want to retire. Who's going to buy me out? You know, <laughs> who would like to be a big, you know, take over? So we knew these issues have been floating around for quite a while, and it's getting more and more difficult for them to find the, the staffing they need. But we also have been, since 2012, through the Master Beekeeping Program that we teach online, we've been uh, very much engaged with a nonprofit in Manhattan, Kansas, called save farms that train soldiers for jobs in agriculture. Turns out from some Department of Commerce study, I think about 2014, they said that about 40% of the soldiers coming back from the field in Iraq and Iran and Afghanistan actually like to work outside, decided that once they finish their service with the military, they would like agricultural jobs. So they set up a foundation to teach them Agricultural jobs are typical in the Midwest, but Colonel Grange, who started all these, he's a retired civilian administrator from Fort Riley. He had three terms in uh, NAM. The colonel basically is, was also very concerned about the mental health of soldiers and whether these kind of activities might be therapeutic, and his daughter is a therapist, and so they kind of did a training and counseling put together. And of all the things that these soldiers did, the one that seemed to be they self-reported was the helped them the most with stress issues and so on with beekeeping. And so everything we've seen and others have reported this that you know, you know about beekeeping, Kim, you and Jeff and so on. When you're out there on the beehive, you really have to focus on the bees and kind of let everything <laughs> else go. And this seems to be work really well. And so the, the, the sense of changes in Manhattan, there's a new um, nonprofit called Valor and a, um, and, and a private honey company there now. But amongst them, and SAVE is still taking the lead on this, we have the infrastructure to do hands-on training there. And then the University of Montana, after, let's see, almost a decade now teaching online courses, we came in on this thing with the idea that we could provide the... Uh, online resources to support this kind of a training program. And so one of the things that the Safe Farm learned almost immediately is if you if you ask a commercial beekeeper what they want in a potential crew member, it's a commercial driver's license yeah. first. <laughs> <laughs> and certification for handling and for things like uh, operating uh, front end loaders and so on second. Yeah. And then general knowledge of how to work around bees. That's what they're doing. And then we're building the kind of the resource for not everybody has access to or the time to go to Kansas and so on. So we're going to build, just like we did with the Master Beekeeping Program, we're going to build an online presence. We learned a lot from the decade on online. So we're, well, you'll see some new tricks coming <laughs> in what we're doing here. But uh, right at the moment, we got off and running in January. So we're really pretty new on this yet. Right now, though, we've got over almost two terabytes worth of video in the can and what we're doing is going out to select commercial beekeeping operations those operations that i and my team have interacted with over the years and we handpicked ones that we thought were really role models in terms of best practices i mean is they did something really well and then we'll fill in with you know well that's how they do it but how does somebody else do it or maybe on a smaller scale that might be different but our goal between now and september is just to lay the foundation for this whole thing in year one year two we can add to it and refine we got three years on this contract so 
Um, I've stepped away from some of the other things I was doing. I was president of the Western Apricultural Society for over two years. And I said, guys, you're ready to, you know, my term's up. I'm going to let you <laughs> run laws. I'm going to do this because it's something I really think is needed. And I've thought this for years and years, but I didn't have the infrastructure to put it all together. And by partnering with SAVE in Kansas, we do have that. They can do all the hands-on. We can do uh, We can basically give them kind of an immersion from a digital perspective. And we can also store all those documents and other type of things like forms for hiring laborers from South America. All that can go online. Where can someone find out more about your course or keep up to date on to when it might be available for the first class? Well, we're hoping by the fall we have it put in place enough so that we can start putting in the first class on these. Uh, SAVE is already doing uh, some short course in commercial beekeeping just because of the demand for it, but uh, they're going to expand what they're doing. But again, this is a brand new figure program. The authorization came in October, but it took until January just with COVID and so on to get everything laid in place. So this week, for the first time, our video crew sat down and said, all right, here we got, you know, tons of uh, video. We have to start editing this together into lesson plans and so on. So we're really at the beginning. One thing I do say, though, is that we're open to input from people about, you know, if you're a commercial beekeeper and say, if you make a course like this, this is the one thing I'd really like you to do. You know, that'd be great. And I don't care if they're in the U.S. We go worldwide with this one the same way it would do the other. If you are a beekeeper on a larger scale professional and you have something you set up that you think is really state of the art, that this really is <laughs> you know um, better than the than average, let us know because uh, we don't have a lot of money for this project. We got enough to set the basics down, but if you got good video or something you can contribute to us or things that you, or tips that you can share. Uh, let me know. So for that, uh, I don't have, I'll probably add something to the, to the app uh, bulletin board for access, but for your general members, we don't have press releases yet. Right. We're so early on this, but we're hoping to get it ready this fall. But in the meantime, I use an American online account for general activities. So it doesn't get intertwined with all courses. And since I'm a long-term scientist that re- studied bees, my login is bresearch at aol.com. And if this resonates with someone and they say, gee, I'd like to be part of that or I've got some ideas or so on, drop me a line at bresearch.com and I can get back to you. Well, there are already a lot of organizations and a lot of uh, programs out there, Jerry, I'm sure you're aware of, that are doing similar, something similar, not as big a scale, but they're working with veterans and they're working with, with groups of people that want to accomplish exactly what you're going to teach them to do. So um, if if any of our listeners are part of one of those groups or know of any of those groups, they certainly uh, need to keep, keep it in mind, probably get a hold of you now so that when you get up to speed to be able to work with them, you can get back to them and there'll be a place for them to go. Yeah, and, and that's, and that's a great point, uh, Kim, because there's a, a, a whole array of programs out there aimed specifically at that, but they tend to be more focused on less, uh, you know, in the local area, we'll, we'll, you know, you want to get into beekeeping, come on over and we'll we'll give you some pointers and we'll give you the basics. And that's great. Where this one goes is this one is going to seriously sit down to look at the plethora of jobs that are available in commercial beekeeping operations uh, and really what you need to know um, on that with you know, fine tuning that and very specific large scale training with this. So, but these other could certainly you know, contribute to merge with this thing, do some local training and so on. All that could easily be networked. Another good aspect of this is those people that have taken that beginner's course at a local level and have found that, yes, indeed, bees are something I want to do a lot more of. How do I do that? Where do yes. I go to find uh, a commercial beekeeping organization that does this and this and but not that and that? So mm-hmm. you're you're opening a lot of doors for a lot of people. I think that's uh, remarkable. <laughs> yes. Well, I'm continuing to fail at my retirement. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to live another three years simply because I signed the ink <laughs> on the contract. 
<laughs> when you're pushing 80, <laughs> that's becoming more nebulous. But uh, no, and, and Kim, one of the things that, for example, that we did uh, in the last couple of weeks is we went to a large scale California queen production and packet production company that also runs a, a large uh, honey and pollination service. They do everything. But they're so large that they actually have their own human resources department. They've got uh, crews with special with sub managers and so on. They have for all of these employees that they try to recruit from places like in South America. There are job descriptions from you know queen catcher level one, <laughs> queen catcher level two. You know whatever it is, they got it with uh, with detailed list of what the skills are, what the training is, uh, what they expect if you're going to apply for those. And we're not going to just blanket steal what they did there and repost it, but we'll take that and we can build a structure. Say, okay, well, if you're interested in a queen operation, these are the type of employees they're looking for. This is how they kind of tear them out. At least then you know going in what people are going to expect and what you're going to have to prepare yourself for and what you can expect. So, uh, well, uh, uh, again, I encourage people who uh, might be interested in this down the road a year or so, perhaps, uh, to get in touch with you through your website and and uh, take the first step. Uh, you may never go any further, but if further is where you want to be, this is the place to go. So, uh, uh, Jerry and, and Rob, what have we missed on all of this? Well, I think we've, we've covered what we're trying to do with the app. The app started off with, can we train this, tune this thing and so on, and it's just developed into, it's much more of a useful yeah. tool and so on than we ever imagined. So they can be used as a standalone for that. And if you, even if you don't want to become, you know, participate in the recordings and stuff like that, you can still use the app for your own management record keeping and so on and that's perfectly fine uh, but if you're willing to go to the next step that's really great and we'd like to hear from you so jerry one last question i have for you uh, it, it, i know in the past sure. years bc before covid you were attempting to get uh your electronic monitoring conference in montana during the summer and i know i've been approached mm. whether you are going to try to do that again uh maybe this year is there any updates on that monitoring okay. conference yeah, I can give you an update. So because of COVID, just as yeah. COVID really hit, we we I had 50-some speakers coming in, and they were all booking their planes, and then they all canceled <laughs> in a week. And so and that was in 2020. And so, but we didn't really want it to go, you know, completely off the radar screen. So in October of 2020, we hosted a week-long Zoom meeting, and we had 50 speakers from 20 from 14 countries. We kept all these talks down to 15 minutes, so that it's basically informative. Who's doing what, where, and all of those are on the University of Montana's uh, webpage that's uh, tied into our master beekeeping program. So there's 49. I think we missed one that had some technical issues and stuff, but 49 of the 50 presentations are all available for your for your listeners uh, if they want to go to and view. So that's it. The University of Montana, and it's again www.umt for University of Montana.edu forward slash B, <laughs> B E E. And, and under that, you'll find the um, all those uh, available on you as YouTube videos. Okay. So, Frank Linton and I are talking that, you know, we had it in 2020, we skipped 2021. We're starting to get input from the group saying, when are we going to get together? Um, Waz was supposed to meet what was the Western Agriculture Society, their original plan in 2020 was that Waz would meet in Missoula, as would uh, the, this other group for a field um, demonstration. We decided in December, COVID was still so out of control. And at that time, Montana went from, in the early days and months, Montana had some of the lowest COVID rates to the highest in the nation. Uh, it just in those rural areas, it, when it hit those, it went like wildfire and stuff. So we just decided we just couldn't predict 2022 even. Waz has new leadership and they're settling into the role. We've got more new neighbors. So not this year, but in 2023, there'll be a Waz meeting somewhere. We're not sure where. And probably this year, Frank and I are starting to talk about let's do another fall online mm -hmm. uh, version of that. So 
uh, we're getting, you know, people are getting, the companies are becoming impatient. We want to show you what the newest yeah. thing is out yeah. there. So we, so we will do something on that line. Well, very good. Well, thanks for that update. Jerry, Rob, we really appreciate you being on the show this afternoon. Uh, the updates, I'm really, I think what you're doing with the uh, the Saves Farms in Kansas and the Commercial Beekeeper Program and also the Bee Guru app uh, are really exciting and, and look forward to future updates from you. Thanks a lot. Well, thank you. For, thank you, for uh, Jeff, for the opportunity to address your audience today. Um, we're pretty, we're still pretty excited about what we're trying to do. You know, it, 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 like all things, we didn't expect COVID to jump in the middle of all this. It slowed us down a little bit, but maybe that wasn't so bad because it got us to say, well, we can't do this. What should we do? Well, we really should respond to what the people <laughs> are saying they want in this app. You know, this puts us in a good position now to say, okay, we know what we, what not to do. We know what we, we can do. Let's see see if we can't get this thing launched. Well, Rob, it was good meeting you, and Jerry, it was good chatting again. I look forward to getting back with you when some of these, when especially your newest project is up and running, and you can uh, fill us in on how it's going. Thanks again. Well, I've never worried about Dr. Jerry Bromenshank having a loss of words to say and or <laughs> a lack of activities. He's just always busy. Yep, he is, and and uh, you, you just got to take two steps back and and really admire the projects he's involved in helping bees, beekeepers, in the beekeeping industry get better at what we're trying to do. Yeah. And uh, I can't wait to see this commercial thing, and I'm going to sign up for the app this year. Oh, very cool! Yeah, he'll he'll like that. It, the 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 app I remember when I was doing the um, master's program at the University of Montana. Um, was really interesting to use and and to slide it in the front of the hive. Uh, definitely can guarantee you, I was not one of the people that was singing on the app. Um, <laughs> okay. Otherwise, he would have mentioned something about the guitar. <laughs> there you go. Uh, yes, you'll you'll enjoy it. it. It'll be fun. Okay, it'll be good. good. The the only other thing I was going to mention is that I remember uh, Jimmy Two's course at universe at uh, OSU in Worcester. When he had it. So, yeah, it's, it's good that uh, Dr. Bromenshank mentioned that, that uh, Jim's course. Yeah, small world. You know, Jerry uh, Hayes, who took uh, over bee culture, took Jimmy's class. And, That's right. Um, um, yeah. So, uh, figures going out in a lot of directions. So, it's a small world we're in. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode. Before we go, I want to encourage our listeners to rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts wherever you download and stream the show. Your vote helps other beekeepers find us quicker. Even better, write a review and let other beekeepers looking for a new podcast know what you like. You can get there directly from our website by clicking on reviews along the top of any web page. As always, we thank Bee Culture, the magazine for American beekeeping, for their continued support of Beekeeping Today podcast. We want to thank our regular episode sponsor, Global Patties. Check them out at globalpatties.com. Thanks to Strong Microbials for their support of this podcast. Check out their probiotic line at strongmicrobials.com. We want to thank Better Bee for their longtime support. Check out all their great beekeeping supplies at betterbee.com. Thanks to Northern Bee Books for their support of Bee Books Old New with Kim Flodham. Check out all of their books at northernbeebooks.co.uk. And finally, and most importantly, we want to thank you, the Beekeeping Today podcast listener, for joining us on the show. Feel free to leave us comments and questions at leave a comment section under each episode on the website. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks a lot, everybody.